So yeah, if I say I've scrolled myself, that's the reference I'm referring to. People are like, she did what to herself? Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly universal needs notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. So how are we doing today? We are doing good today. How yeah. are you doing? I'm great. I have a I have a beautiful mango tree in the backyard of where I'm staying right now. And I have... <laughs> Mangoes on top of mangoes on top of mangoes. It's actually an obscene amount of mangoes. mangoes. (laughs) This is like mangoes everywhere. Every time I see some, I'm like, do you like mango? Can I give you some mangoes? (laughs) And this is like, I already have, I've chopped mango in the freezer. I have mango popsicles in the freezer, which are amazing. Mm -hmm. Mango with lime juice, lime zest, and a bit of mint. Oh my God. So good. So good. And I have a jug of puree ready to top up (laughs) And I take the popsicles out and I still have a fridge full and I've got two bags on the side. I think the other day I was uh, I was actually chatting to a friend of ours, Kitty, uh, on the phone. And as I was um, preparing my mangoes to go in the freezer or some of them, and I counted that day, I think I had 74 mangoes <laughs> just at that point. And I've literally gathered probably four massive bags full since that point. So um yeah, it's Mango Central over here. Yeah, mango season. And it's kind of it, funny because we wait, we like chomp at the bit the entire time. We're like, ooh, they're green. Are they, when are they going to drop? Are- and then they drop all over the island. Everybody has so many mangoes. And then we can't like, it's like three months where it's like mango uh, fatigue. I, I, it's like you almost get, you almost get sick of mangoes yeah. by the end of it. And then all of a sudden they're gone and you're like, Oh, but mangoes. <laughs> That's what I'm like. Mangoes are one of my favorite fruits. And I'm like, I like I should be excited about the amount of mangoes I have, but I cannot eat them at the rate they're dropping. Um, so yes, it's all good fun. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's a it's, good problem to have. I mean, yeah, quality what we call a quality problem to have. Um so um Is it a quality problem or a quantity problem? <laughs> Just saying. I think it's probably both. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Anyway, today I'm really excited because today we are recording I'm our sh- mango episode. Our mango you're, episode. <laughs> you're so excited, aren't you? It's actually Mango Festival it's on the island. Mango. I saw that. It was so funny. I was like, we were, uh, I went to the hardware store yesterday and uh, I saw a sign up on the, um, uh, up on the, the like bulletin board, which reminds me, we need to drop one down there for the fundraiser that we're helping with. Something for us to remember later today. Um, um, but I saw the Mango Festival, literally, I pointed to it and I was like, I have that in my kitchen right now. I don't need to go to a Mango oh Festival. God. We should stand on the side of the road during Mango Festival and hand out and mangoes. mangoes. Oh my God, I love that idea. I love that idea. From Queer Keys. <gasps> yes. Well, you heard it here first. Right. 
<laughs> and actually, by the time you hear it, it will have happened. Yeah, it's, I'm doing, yeah. It's one of the challenges when you record podcasts before you actually share them rather than doing them live. Although, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, our first pop-up podcast will have already uh, aired, which is our live uh, episodes that we're going to be doing every now and again, just sporadically to talk about things that are kind of happening in the uh, in the the either in the media or in the um, like. The world. In the world. Yeah, out there in the world. Or things like, or, or maybe we'll talk about, we'll put a needs lens on some uh, popular TV shows or movies and just kind of explain. Because I think when you do that, when you get to see these things that we really relate to through those needs, through that needs lens, it's like, oh, that's what this need stuff is all about. Well, and I also see it leading to um, just adventures with Claire and Serena, which is part of meeting our needs, like part, right. like part of our you know, what we do to meet our needs is we go out and we have adventures and we stand on the side of the road and hang out, hand the out mangoes, mangoes or something. <laughs> I mean, we don't yet, but we will. <laughs> we will very soon. <laughs> but I can see those being pop-up pa- podcasts too, like right. come along on an adventure. Oh my God, I love that idea. Mm. I love that idea. Anyway, today I am excited not for any of those things. I mean, I'm obviously excited about those too, but I am excited because today is the first episode that we are sharing in our self-worth series because self-worth is... As somebody who has done, it was interesting, um, just a couple of days ago, it was the seven-year anniversary. It was my seven-year needs anniversary. So it was the seven-year anniversary of the very first day I did my very first needs practice. I'd been developing the needs work before that point, but it was like, oh my goodness, seven years. That's amazing. Um, And I would say that in all of that time of working with people on their needs, self-worth is one of the most undermet needs which links to our value need it's one of the needs that um is is most chronically unmet and most severely unmet in our culture and in our society um so i'm really excited that we're sharing about the self-worth over these next few episodes and today we're going to be talking about the difference between self-worth and confidence because sometimes people think they're the same thing and they're really not they really are not and we both pretty much had the same experience with self-worth and confidence you know through our lives and just on this journey of adulthood (laughs) um so we're each going to share parts of it um but what we're sharing actually applies to both of us so there's not many um instances where Claire and I have had conversations about this where it's like, oh, that's just you. It's yeah, like, not me. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I hear you. I feel you. Like, All well, the shit. things. <laughs> um, for myself, I've always described myself as a confident person, even as a child. Like, And I was, you would have been described that way by others as well, oh, right? Oh, definitely. People always, like, that was, oh, so she's very yeah. confident. Me too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. But I never actually really had good self worth and I didn't Mm -hmm. even know it at this time I was like oh I'm confident look at me being (laughs) confident and confidence was something for everybody else basically right it was the self-worth factor this was something that had you know from a child the self-worth was overshadowed by confidence well it wasn't really even present I mean I don't okay okay, I'm speaking for me now but like like for me because I I was exactly the same I was like people would have seen me as a very confident child very kind of um yeah just confident I think Mm -hmm. is the word they would have used um and even even beyond childhood as well but I never really it was something it was something I was very good at performing um rather than something I felt like I didn't feel worthy I just knew how to be perceived as confident. Well, and that's what it is, because confidence is just basically a series of behaviors that, I mean, for me, and I know 
for you knowing your situation, we just kind of put them on. Like right. it was it was a performance. It was you know, confidence is something that I did. It was yeah. something that I wore. It was right. a facade or a mask that I put on. And it was, it literally wasn't a, a performance that I was engaged in. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it was a mustering up. You have to get the confidence and that's, you know. Yeah, you have to do confident rather than feel. Well, I, I, I didn't really feel confident, I suppose, or I wasn't being confident. I was doing confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no amount of outside performance actually changed how I felt about myself internally, <laughs> though, which is the ironic oh, part. Cause it's like, I'm confident. And then if I looked into myself, I'm like, but and it was yeah. like a big but. And that was kind of that the, what felt really out of alignment. It's like, no, but I can put on this act. Mm -hmm. So why can't I feel it internally with myself and it's I think a lot of both of us kind of did that uh took the approach of like fake it till you make it oh yeah but, <laughs> but but we never really made it because none of the things we were doing were actually gonna help with the thing we were missing which was the self-worth because we were so focused on the confidence well and it's interesting because I think both of us had it where as we said, other people described us as confident. So as far as they knew, we were. Like, right. We were. That's who we mm -hmm. were. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's, which is, we're, we're, we're not confident, but we play it on TV. Right. Type of yeah, TV. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and interestingly, doing this performance in, you know, putting on this confidence, it actually made me feel less worthy sometimes because mm -hmm. I wasn't actually showing the real me. Yeah. And people weren't liking or connecting with the real me. Some right. people got more of it than others. But yeah. it's interesting because I look back and I think, wow, I wonder if I would have gotten along with this person if I was just me and not trying to be right. who I thought they wanted to me, me to be, who I was trying to be for somebody else like yeah I really look back at college and think wow it could have been different and I'm glad it happened the way it did because it really gives me this kind of contrast right. and comparison very much so it was the me that felt less valuable was the real me right. and it's because I didn't feel like it could be shown to others I didn't feel like it would be accepted and I'd didn't feel worthy enough of my own self-worth which just now seems mind-blowing to me right. and the one thing that I don't think a lot of people really consider is how exhausting it is God. to play yeah. confident because mm -hmm. it takes effort to keep up that kind of performance especially when it's not genuinely coming from the inside it's like you no know, well when, that's when it is a performance right it's like when it isn't coming from yeah. the inside it's a performance it's not something that's genuinely being felt and if you let down that facade then somebody sees the crack and then right. you know then yeah. it fractures and it all crumbles apart right so when it's opposite of what I'm actually feeling, it's going to be more work. It's going to yeah. take more out of me. It's going to be more energy. And it's never really going to feel right because it's it's coming from the head. It's not coming right. from the internal source of me. Right. And I know, like, I mean, I've shared in the past um, the experience of um, what happened around my 30th birthday where I was, like, being different Claire with all these different people and all of a sudden they were all going to be in a room together. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, who am I? Um, but also, like, it's that because I was performing this role, I remember the conversation I had with one of my friends afterwards where she was the one who advised me and counseled me in that time. Like, you need to just be yourself. And, like, those that matter will love you still and those that don't won't. Um, and I remember the moment where she realized that she was also one of the people who hadn't seen the real me. And she was like, oh, shit. I didn't think it was going to apply to me. And I'm like, yeah, it's 
kind of applies to everybody because I wasn't really being my, the, the real self, my real self with anybody. And it's interesting how this, this performance is something that um, I wouldn't say I could only do, but it was so much easier to do when there were other people Watch, watching mm-hmm. when I had an audience for the performance um and it's funny because I remember uh, this one day we were walking with some friends of ours we were visiting friends who were in Wales and um we were going for this beautiful walk along like this lovely beach uh, we were on the Gower Peninsula and um I was with um a group of people who were who were not necessarily unconfident but they wouldn't have described themselves as confident they certainly would not be people who would just go up to random strangers and I was known for somebody who would be willing to do that because I was great at performing confidence and I remember that we were um we were because we were with uh we were walking with I think my uh I was walking with my mum dabble with us as well and uh, my mum uh, at the time couldn't walk long distances. I mean, she can walk even less distances now. Um, but um, at the time, I remember we were we decided we were going to walk to as we were walking along the beach. There were these fishermen who were fishing um, on the on you the don't say. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the shoreline, and uh, we decided we were going to walk to this particular fisherman. And at a distance, we were like, uh, like we were trying to decide what we thought the fisherman's name was. And obviously, we were in Wales, and the, the friends who were there, one of them was Welsh, so we were kind of coming up with what Welsh names that could potentially could be. Uh, I can't even remember what the name we came up with was. And we got to them, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go ask and find out. And it's so funny because some of the people that I was with thought it was funny and it was entertaining for them. Some of them were like, oh God, she's doing it again. Make (laughs) her stop. Um, But I think the interesting thing about it is if I'd just been on my own, I probably wouldn't have done that. But with other people there, I could perform the role of a confident person because I was doing it for their benefit really more than I was for my own. And when I began doing my work around my needs, like the universal needs, I realized how low my self-worth actually was, how I, I didn't feel enough and, and I never had done. And when I realized that, um, that, that worth, what, what self-worth really is, because through the work of like through my work with the trunk of the universal needs tree, which if like, I'm just a quick overview for those of you who um, who uh, maybe you've jumped into this episode or maybe haven't listened to some of the others. There are 12 universal needs. They fall into four groups. The four groups correspond to the four different sections of a tree. So we have the survival tree, uh, the survival trees. Yes, we have the survival trees. No, we have the survival needs, which are the roots of our tree. We have the intrinsic needs, which are the, bran- uh, the trunk of the tree. We have the expansive needs, which are the branches of the tree. And we have the enriching needs, which are the uh, leaves and the fruit of the tree. So as I began working with the trunk of my universal needs tree, which is the intrinsic needs, which are all the needs that relate, relate to our internal well-being, I finally began nourishing the need that was connected to my self-worth, the value need that we were talking about before. And slowly and surely over time, I started to recognize my innate worth. And this is the thing that people don't seem to realize that self-worth isn't about what you do or how much value you can bring to a situation. Self-worth is recognizing that you have worth simply because you exist for no other reason, just because you exist. And I started to recognize that innate worth, not because of what I was doing, not because of my skills and my abilities, not because of how other people saw me, not about what other people liked about me, just simply because I existed, I had worth as a human being. And being able to feel, recognize that and feel that from the inside out was how I started to connect to this 
this real feeling of self-worth and having my self-worth cultivated. Um, and I learned that we're all having, we're all worthy of having our needs met simply because we exist. So not only do we have worth because we exist, but because we exist and because we have worth, we are worthy of having all of our needs met simply because we exist. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to, to prove it. We don't have to deserve it. We do deserve it simply because we exist. And from this place, I realized that authentic self-worth is something that is cultivated from the inside out rather than this external performance that I've been putting on, that we've both been putting on for all of those years. For other people. Right. And sometimes I think for myself, but it was a protection for myself. I wasn't doing it to feel confident because I didn't feel confident. It was a way of trying to keep safe by performing this role that would mean that people wouldn't see the vulnerable sides of me underneath. Um, so again, for people, because you're worried about what they're going to see. Exactly. Very rarely. I mean, and there are yeah. times I could, you know, I stand in the mirror and muster it up, like muster up that confidence. But very rarely are you putting on that performance for yourself because you know it's a performance. Right. So why you're not? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing about it is, is that this self-worth being this thing that comes from the inside out, it is something that comes from having your value need well met. And by well met, we mean more at the green end of the spectrum than the red end of the spectrum. I'll go back and listen to our episodes uh, about how to get your needs met. I've got a feeling it's episode three that we go into that in, um, where we, we talk about the red green spectrum in a little bit more detail, but at a, at a very superficial level, the red ways of meeting needs are the kind of more draining, less empowering, um, uh, less nourishing ways of meeting our needs. The green ways are the more healthy, more empowering, more nourishing ways of meeting our needs. So it's when we say we, we're meeting it well, we're meeting it at more at the green end of the spectrum. We're meeting it consistently and we're meeting it consistently in the ways that work particularly for us because the way that my value need gets met and the way Serena gets needs uh, value needs get met, the ways that work particularly well for each of us are probably going to be different as they are for everybody. And they change. Yes. And it varies depending on where you're at, what your state is, what your capacity mm -hmm. is, all those sorts of other things as well. So when you recognize that this having the, the value need well met is the way that we actually get this self-worth met, this is not something you can put on from the outside and have it change what is happening within. And this is the whole kind of fake it till you make it illusion. But as Serena was saying, actually the faking it creates more of a disparity between our, the level of confidence we're portraying and our actual sense of worth because we've, we don't feel worthy of showing the real us because people are responding to this mask that we're putting on. And so by, by, the, by the, the faking it till you make it is just continue faking it because you're never going to make you're never going to get to a point where you actually feel confident from faking it not genuinely um this is something that you have to put create cultivate from the inside rather from the outside it's a, I just got this weird comparison. I'm like it's almost like an actor. Like you can't expect an actor to play an astronaut and then like all of a sudden they're like I'm an astronaut, I'm an astronaut now. <laughs> I mean that, I'm sure that has happened where somebody has found some sort of joy in something they never thought they could before but like the chances are you know I played one in a movie and that's where it ended and really with confidence when you're acting it that's 
You're just playing it for the time being. Right, exactly. And it's again, it's that, um, and that's actually a really good example of that metaphor of the actor because the actor puts on this thing. And sometimes they do method acting where they try and kind of get inside the role, which is why it feels more authentic because it's like they're connecting to the feelings. But in actual fact, the only way you're really going to act like an astronaut is if you actually go through and it's one that you want to do and you go and do the training, all those sorts of things, then you be the astronaut. Mm -hmm. It's It's not something you're performing, it's something that you are. And it's the same thing with the difference between confidence being this performance we're putting on and self-worth being something that we actually get to the point becomes a part of our identity it's who we are Um, and the thing about it is is that when you know it and you feel it when you actually know your value when you actually feel your value it changes how you show up in life oh my goodness in every (laughs) single area it's like because you're not doing it you're not showing up in a way to prove anything you're not doing it as a performance just knowing that you are worthy and therefore behaving worthy, like acting, not acting as in like a performance, but the what take the actions that you take, the choices that you make, your decisions, the things you say and do uh, are behaving as somebody who is worthy. How you treat yourself, how you interact with others, how you treat other people. If you recognize you're worthy, you don't need to put somebody else down to feel good about yourself. Likewise, um, it will change how what you will accept from others in interacting with you. If I feel worthy and you're treating me in a way where you're not treating me in a way where you're showing that I'm worthy, then uh, chances are I'm probably not going to interact with you as much. Um, And so It also changes how you treat others because someone who knows their worth also recognizes it and sees it in other people as well. And they treat all people like they're worthy because they are. And it's like, once you get that, hold on a second, this is something that I am and I have and I be because I exist. Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on a second, you exist too. Oh, that means you have it. Oh, and you exist too. And oh, so you must have it too. So we start relating to other people as if they're worthy as well. You should probably talk about some interconnectedness stuff during the program or something. Mm, That's an interesting thought. Like, we need to be mindful of how uh, the way that we meet our needs affects other people. Yeah, we should put that in the program. You you know, just a little side note. If you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes, we talk about this all the time. I'm just realizing if someone's listening the first time, like, what are they talking about? (laughs) Interconnectedness is key and interconnectedness basically means the way that we choose to meet our needs if that way has a side consequence of costing other people it actually compromises our own needs and if uh, uh, the way that we have meet our needs has a side consequence of benefiting others it actually benefits our own needs as well and so it's, it's this is kind of an interesting one because it's like it's a little bit like chicken and egg where it's like actually if I was showing up with other people from an interconnectedness place I would show up in a way that recognizes that they're worthy and therefore I would feel like like there's that kind of thing but there's also that actually when you recognize that you're worthy and you see everybody else is worthy you treat them like they're worthy which then meets your needs better which means that you want to show up in a more way that's more in alignment with interconnection so it's like it's like it's like doesn't matter which way you come at it from it works and it benefits it sounds like a good thing you got going there (laughs) (laughs) well shit that makes sense So the big thing to remember is that other people can affect confidence, but they cannot affect your self-worth. And this is because people have the... Can I... um, uh, I know that we kind of prepared what we were going to say, so I'm going to challenge us. I'm going to challenge us on that as we are recording. (laughs) And that what I'm going to say is that people can 
influence it as in how people like if you are consistently treated Mm. poorly by society by an individual it can cause you to question whether you are worthy like can cause you to question that relationship you have with your own worth the more robust it gets the less that other people can affect self-worth. So I wouldn't say that people can't affect it. And I know I'm probably the one that wrote that in the first place. So <laughs> I'm. Cha- it sounds like I'm challenging what Serena's saying or actually challenging what I've said. Other people can influence. Yes, absolutely. But confidence, because because confidence is that external, it's for other people. That's the reason mm-hmm. it's, it's more vulnerable. I just wanted to say that I think that self-worth is obviously something that it's how we relate to our sense of worth and depending on our experience and depending how other people treat us we can sometimes internalize that however once our needs are better met that it becomes a little bit more robust and a little bit more resilient to those sorts of things so I'm sorry I just I had to jump in there no that's actually I mean I'm glad you did because yes (laughs) (laughs) I mean I could go down a rabbit hole of words but yes Yes. cool So why do people have the ability to, or how do they have the ability to affect our confidence? And that's because it's a performance for the benefit of others. So how they respond to that performance can affect how we feel Mm -hmm. and how, um, how we adapt to that performance going forward. So if they react poorly to our performance, we may change it up to get a better... That's not working. Try something else. Right. (laughs) Or if it's working well, well, this works. I'm going to keep going with this one. Yes. But when you have an innate sense of self-worth, people can no longer affect that in to the, the same extent. To the same extent. Yeah. And from the internal like knowing. Yes. Yeah. They can influence the mental Well, they can inter- they can influence how they can influence that internal knowing as it kind of permeates through our experience. So like uh, like we can sometimes question our sense of knowing if we're in that as I said if we are in an oppressed group and we have been consistently told by society that we don't have worth and we don't have value. Um, in those moments sometimes um that yes we can do things to cultivate our self-worth and still we're working it's like an uphill battle because mm-hmm. we're constantly working against this uh, experience that we're having or if we were, we were in um, an abusive relationship for example where somebody is consistently putting you down sometimes it can it can affect that internal because we're we're we're, we're filtering our experiences and we are that's effect, that may affect how our, our internal um guidance is is kind of set but because this is an internal thing it's like how we relate to our own self-worth it is like one step removed from this confidence performance thing so actually if we get that really strong and really solid you could have somebody do the same sort of things to you and it wouldn't affect you in the same way because you can be like that's not in a like it's part of the reason i think that other people's um behavior can affect our sense of self-worth is because most of us believe we're inherently unworthy because of how our society is um set up how our culture is we're constantly bombarded with messages that we're not good enough we're not thin enough we're not successful enough we haven't got enough money we're not thin enough we haven't um done enough did i say thin twice then? Yes. <laughs> that's how big of an issue like yeah. we're being bombarded like we're not a good enough mom we're not enough good enough in our career like there's this constant bombardment of images and messages that we're not good enough and it's used to sell to us a lot of the time and so um I kind of squirreled myself in the middle of that. Sorry, if you don't know, if you don't know the term, if you've not seen the movie Up, there's a there's a dog in the movie Up who's like he he'll be he'll be like on a track and he'll be having a conversation, he'll be doing something, squirrel. and then he'll say squirrel, squirrel, 
So yeah, if I say I've scrolled myself, that's the reference I'm referring to. Is people are like, she did what to herself? Um, yes, scrolled myself in the middle of that. Um, where was I going with that? It's a reversal. Back. Are you going to start yes. swearing today too? Oh, I might do. <laughs> um, drop an F-bomb in the middle of it. <laughs> Um, what I was basically trying to say is that, um, the, how that can affect our, when we've been being bombarded by these things, that sometimes that can affect our internal thing, but we can be in, once we cultivate that sense of self-worth, that's what I was going with this, because we've been bombarded by these messages that we're not good enough. Often we have this internal feeling that we're not good enough. And what that means is that when someone comes along and does something that can be interpreted that we're not good enough, it's triggering that thing that we already believe about ourselves. And so that's the reason that it's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'm not good enough. Oh yeah, I'm not good enough. Oh yeah, I'm not good enough. However, if we build that internal resource of feeling good enough, of feeling worthy um when this external thing happens it doesn't have that same place to trigger inside of us it doesn't have that same place it's not landing on a belief that we already hold about ourselves so yes it might diminish us a little bit but in actual fact we can return to that hold on a second no that's not true i am worthy and that this this how somebody has treated me that's about them it's not about me and my worthiness so and then you meet your needs and you resource yourself yep. and it's like Oh, okay. Yes. Actually, no. I need to remind myself I am. Because it it could be as simple as, hold on a second, someone's behavior has me momentarily questioning my worth. And that actually the way that we meet the need is reminding myself, um, (laughs) hold on, no, I am worthy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's where we are again. And that need gets met again. And that's why like, we talk about how simple, quick and easy sometimes the meeting of the needs can be. And different circumstances, different situations, mm-hmm. different people can be different things. But sometimes it can be as simple as that. So that's why I'm saying like, it can sometimes affect that internal thing. And we, our resilience to that increases exponentially when we know how to meet our value need. Well, since you've gone... Um gone on that, I think it's important to kind of point out why are some of the reasons why it doesn't affect as much your self-worth as it would your confidence. The first is because it's not in an attempt to prove anything. Like we said, confidence is a lot for other people, not Mm -hmm. for yourself. But when you have an innate sense of self-worth, you're not trying to prove it. You show up and you're like, I'm worthy. I showed up. Well, (laughs) and sometimes that confidence is, is trying to feel good enough. Like sometimes you are doing it for yourself. It's like, I'm trying to prove I'm good enough. Look, so I will finally feel good enough. You don't need to prove anything to yourself or to anybody else. Absolutely. Um, It's also not for anybody else's benefit or for their gaze. Mm -hmm. Like you're not doing it because of somebody else. You're not doing the selfless stuff that, you Mm -hmm. know, which, yeah. Uh, recovering um, <laughs> episode two yes. the wisdom of joe Chibriani. go check it out about being self first <laughs> and um it's also when you have an innate self so yeah when you have an innate sense of self-worth say that three times fast it's something nope <laughs> it's something that you're living in being because you know it to be true yeah it's not it's not the act. It's just how you operate and show up because it is your truth. And you know that like this is this is who I am. And then your every thought, choice, action, behavior, things you'd say, things you do are coming from that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also something that comes from the self. So we did say that people, you know, as Claire pointed out, there can be effects 
to your, you know, your sense of Mm self-worth, but nobody else can give you self-worth. Nobody else can take it away. Mm -hmm. They can influence how you feel about it, but the more strongly you connect to it, and as Claire said, the more consistently and on the green end of the spectrum that you do so, the more strongly that you connect to it, the more strongly you feel to it, you feel it, and the stronger you are in of the knowing of it. And that, it's not about anybody else's perspective or actions anymore. Those won't affect it. It's it's what comes from you. Yeah, they're not going to affect it to the same extent. That resilience is. And um, it's interesting. We need to do a podcast episode on resilience, actually, um, because um, I'll spoiler alert. Um, uh, what we're going to share in that episode, we'll go into a little bit more detail than I'm about to do right now. Um, but resilience is basically what ends up happening is that when something affects us, it affects our needs. And so resilience is the the speed and effectiveness at which we can return to a state of having our needs met when something has impacted them. So if we know how to meet our needs really well, that resilience is is better because it decreases that time. Immediately we can go, okay, what's this impact? Is it impacted this need, this need, this need, this need? Okay, if I make this need, this need, this need, this need, this need. oh look. I'm back again. And it's so it's that that speed of resilience. And this is the thing is that we become far more resilient in terms of our self-worth when we know how to meet these needs. So let's give some examples from our own life of like how these things have affected us and the thing, the, the difference it's made for us. So one of the things for me was um, the value in what I charge. Uh, and this is a big thing because so often a lot of our value is based on what we earn. And also when we're doing something new, we often don't know our value to be able to feel that we can ask for the money that is actually in alignment with the value that we offer. Um, it's interesting because like when I first started out on this journey and I was, uh, I mean, people that I've worked with various business coaches and people are like, oh my God, you're incredible at what you do. You should be charging this amount. And I'd be like, okay. Um, But I didn't feel worthy of that amount because I didn't recognize my value and I didn't recognize my worth. Difference, just little subtle difference here. My worth is my worth as a human being. My value is what I bring to the table in terms of skills, abilities, and those sorts of things. Um, I didn't recognize either of those. (laughs) It's the truth of the matter at that point in time. So what I would do is I would feign confidence. So when I was like having these conversations with potential clients, I'd be like, so this is what I charge. But my energy around it was always like really incongruent because I'm like, this is what I'm worth on the outside. And on the inside, I'm like, these going, are you sure? (laughs) Really? Um, I'm not convinced. Um, and so, uh, and the, so the performance would get even stronger on the outside. Yes, this is what I want. So it was a weird, it was a very weird experience. Um, and it's interesting now I know having done this work, one, I know my worth, um, as a, as an innate human being, but I also know my value. Um, I mean, and I know that I know, I know that in some respects, um, when you're working with me one-to-one, it is more expensive than working with some other people. I totally recognize that. What you get when you work with me is often very different to what you get working with other people. I'm getting a lot of nods from Serena's side of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also getting my years of experience, all the research I've done, all the learning I've done from different teachers and all those sorts of things. Just as somebody who's experienced this from many sides of the coin, because of course I have multiple-sided coins besides two. Awesome. <laughs> I want some of those coins. Like- but I, I mean, it's it's price like I mean this sounds so fucking cheesy right now coming out of my mouth but it really (laughs) is priceless and you know when I first started doing the work I I paid Claire and it's like Mm -hmm. oh 
okay. In this point, we weren't business partners, but we were at that point, you know, very, very close friends. Yeah. And it's like, after I went through the program and did the one-on-one and had seen it through the group style and the one-on-one, I'm like, oh, like a million dollars more. Now I'd be like, yep, whatever, whatever it costs. Yeah. But well, the interesting thing is while we're talking about this, I remember having a conversation with you about um, the fact that this wasn't your first time. Um, like when you worked with me, it wasn't your first time having experience working with somebody as a professional to help you with various things. Um, cause you'd done some therapy before, right? Yeah. Like, and you said to me, like, I, I can't remember how many years you'd said, like, it was like 10 years or something. And I mean, and multiple different people you'd work with over that period of time as well. Right. Right. And I mean, I've had some great people that I've worked with, but the amount of breakthroughs or those really like nuggets that are like, oh, that's kind of game changing for me. I can count on one hand from 10 years of therapy from, I mean, a single conversation of us talking back or forth. <laughs> I take something like, oh, oh, oh well, shit. <laughs> it just, and I mean, and through that, I, through my self-worth, I gained my own, like I cultivated my own self-value. And now it's like, I'm worthy as a human. I'm valuable as all of these other things because I bring all this stuff to the table and it well the interesting thing is is also that you're worthy of that I think that was one of the things that that kind of came from you and I see this with so many clients I'm worthy of investing this money mm-hmm. in myself my well-being my my self-worth all of those things which was like I was like oh <laughs> hold on a second like this it, it, it brings a whole new different kind of perspective to it and it's interesting because because now I know my worth and now I know my value um my rates are completely in alignment and in fact the, the one thing I keep getting reflected back to me because normally when people first find out my rates like oh that was more than I thought it was going to be and then when people go through and work with me and they're like oh my god like you don't charge enough for what you do which is kind of I mean obviously it's the way you want it to be it's the way around you want it to be right. um but it's it's funny how um like knowing that and and seeing that and seeing that being reflected back is is kind of cool and it's also, especially because I'm also seeking, constantly seeking finding ways to make the work more accessible uh, for those who can't afford to work with me one-on-one because I don't want this, this is not some kind of thing that is just for the privileged and it's not just for the people who have got uh, an abundance of money to spare on um, their disposable income. That's the reason we're recording this podcast right now. We wanted to make this more accessible to people so that if you can't afford to work with us, great, you can still get some value from it. You can still benefit from it. Um, So it's very interesting seeing that shift between, yes, this is what I'm worth and actually this is what I'm worth. And it was interesting, I was talking to a a client about this just the, the other week. Um, I remember having this shift for me around my value. I remember when I first started working with people, I was not just invested in them making progress. I was over-invested in them making progress. Like I took personal responsibility, like they must make progress. They must have a breakthrough because if that if not, then I failed in my job as a coach. And I remember somebody says to me, and it's really funny because there's somebody who I really... Um, they were a toxic person in my life and I'm so grateful they're not a part of my life anymore. And I hate the fact that I keep referring back to this, but it's so uh, absolutely poignant and absolutely relevant that I can't help but share it. Um, they said to me, um, if you bought a book, because uh, that, well, that, that was the thing I was thinking at the time, it's like, if this person doesn't get the breakthrough that they want and they need and that I think they can get, uh, should I give them a refund? That was my question. Like, that should I give them the money back because I haven't given them the value? 
And they said to me, if you bought a book from an author and it sat on your shelf and they didn't read it and you didn't read it, would they owe you a refund? And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, like, okay. So say you read the book and you didn't apply any of the things that were in the book, would they owe you a refund? I'm like, no. <laughs> and that was the point where I realized is that you can still be bringing value. And if people choose to apply it or not to apply it, that is their responsibility. That's where their power lies, is their choice to do it or not do it. Um, and again, that was the point which was like, oh, I'm offering value and this is the value of what I offer. And of course, it's my responsibility to communicate it as effectively as possible, to work with them, to try and find the ways that are going to work for them as an individual, which anyone who's worked with me knows that's exactly what I do. It's like, let's see if we can find a way of getting this to work for you with your life, with your situation, with your challenges right now. And if I do all of that and they don't do the work, if they don't apply it, they don't put it into action in their life. That's not a reflection of my value. And now I know my worth and now I know my value. And I would have taken that if somebody hadn't got the results I wanted them to get or that they wanted them to get, not only would it have affected my value, but I would internalize that to be about my worth because I would have, my worth was tied up in my work. And I believed I was only worthy if I was performing well at work. The truth is I was worthy, irrespective. If I sat on the couch all day and did absolutely fuck all for weeks on a weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks at a time, I'm still worthy. I might not be bringing value in certain situations, but I'm still worthy. And that's the subtle difference. And the other thing that where this has shown up for me is in friendships. Like I know now what I am worthy of in friendships. Previously, I mean, I've gone through some, I've had some really tough experiences with friendships in my life, even as an adult. Uh, I mean, I know we all have these challenges when we're children uh, and as we're growing, or most of us have these challenges as we're growing up. Um, but I've had it in my adult life, like several relationships where very, very close friends have either turned on me or just up to left, um, I, I just in a way that didn't feel incongruent with what I thought the friendship was. And because of that, for a long time in my life, I probably would have done almost anything to accept and, and accepted almost anything to be liked, to have friends, to feel that people liked me. Uh, now, if someone consistently shows up in a way that doesn't feel in alignment with what I'm worthy of in terms of friendship, they naturally move further away in my orbits. We talked about the relationship orbits in one of our previous episodes. I'll put it in, we'll put it in the show notes as to which episode that that um, uh, references if you want to go back and, um, and listen to it. But naturally, they just move further out like they're not as close anymore. Uh, and now the key word there is consistently. It's not somebody makes a mistake or has a bad day and then you're like, oh, you're out. Um, I mean, <laughs> oh, fuck right off with you. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is is if somebody is consistently showing up in a way that is is not showing what I am worthy of as a friend, then I naturally, interestingly enough, it's not even a conscious choice. Like I don't go, hmm, you haven't behaved as a good friend or the good or the kind of friend that I want to be friends with. I'm going to move you back in the orbits. Naturally, they're going to move, they're going to move further away because you're not going to prioritize people who aren't prioritizing you once you recognize your value and worth. And also, you're not going to feel safe enough around them to have them close. So naturally they just move further away and sometimes those those they just keep going and they keep going and they keep going until they go into Serena's screen and off into the distance. Sucked into a wormhole. <laughs> but the thing I want to mention also, you know, you're talking about relationships and friendships that have kind of seemingly ended. Um, 
the way that the orbit bleh, the orbits work for Claire and myself, you move further back. Very rarely does somebody actually get sucked into a wormhole right. never to be seen again. Yeah. It's just it gets further back and it's like, oh, I can still see you. And if you need something and you and you show up in a way that's more in alignment with, you know, what serves what us for everyone. Us both, mm-hmm. sure, we can work on moving you closer again. Like it's it's Well, you naturally move closer again. That's the thing. It's like if you start if if you're further in orbit and then all of a sudden that person starts consistently showing up and builds trust and heals the the wounds that have been caused by whatever has happened that caused them to move further away they naturally get closer again and i have got friends who have done this they've kind of fluctuated in orbit not because there's been this massive issue sometimes there have been those moments where there's been a big issue and we've we've gone through it we've talked about it and how they've shown up is like yeah you're really showing up in alignment with what I want in my friendships and that that naturally I trust them more naturally I want to get close to them naturally I want to spend more time with them but that's how like it, it happens very naturally that if if you show up but the key to all of this is you have to know what you're worthy of in order that this orbits thing really works because the second that somebody does something which is not really in alignment with what you're worthy of that's where internally there's a part of you that goes, mm, yeah, okay, you're a little bit less of a priority now. And when they do it again, oh, you're a little bit less of a priority now. And then they do it again, oh, a little bit less of a priority now. And then all of a sudden, maybe they go, oh, shit, hold on a second. I'm really sorry. I recognize what I did there. Oh, and like, let me apologize for it. Let me make amends for it. Let me, And all of a sudden they become close again. And so this is the thing. The orbits are a, are a constantly fluctuating thing. But the, the thing that really makes it work well is you recognizing your value and that being the thing that, that is going to affect how close or farther away somebody is. For me, confidence, um, I mean, I, I've had the same situations that Claire has had. But when we were talking about this episode, what really resonated was the fact that for me, confidence created a competition. Mm-hmm. But self-worth actually eliminated the game for me. And yeah. I say that with like 100% like grounded confidence. Like it, this isn't a line or... You know, I love that a, you use the word confidence. Then, <laughs> yeah, so it, it isn't a pitch. It, yeah. it really is that confidence was a game. It's not a nice sales tag or like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it does. It sounds. It sounds kind of catchy. Sounds and, like a tagline. Yeah, yeah, but it really did eliminate it because. Yeah. Before I was cultivating my self-worth, I was performing with confidence. I was trying to continually prove myself. Mm -hmm. And I was constantly concerned how other people saw me and what they thought. And that was in every situation, relationships, friendships, business, everything. I just, it was all about the other people, not really about myself. Mm -hmm. And what that did is it often kind of pushed me to a place of selfless where I was doing things for everybody else's benefit, not taking into consideration myself, self first wasn't even but a. But underneath the surface, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was actually rooted in selfishness. Yes, on my knees. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll put the link in the show or the uh, episode in the show notes if you want to. Um, yeah, so to revisit the yeah. self first again. Mm-hmm. Um, when it pushed me, like we said, pushed me into the place of selfness, self. it also pushed me into a place of consistent competition Mm -hmm. and this competition was with others I had to compete to get to where I wanted to be if somebody was above me or better than me but more importantly and where it was actually more present was the competition within myself it was a competition between who I was yesterday and who I could 
be today, tomorrow, and who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But when I when I cultivated the self worth, I, I just got to jump in there because I think that 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 competition aspect within the self is so it's often um, it's often sold as like a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's like don't like don't be in competition with anyone but yourself. And it's like, if you're in competition with yourself, you're trying to beat yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to do better than you were. Just the energy around it just feels tense and it feels, it's kind of destructive. Um, rather than recognizing that it's possible to, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, if we're not in competition, we're not, we're not moving, we're not making progress and everything. You can want to grow mm-hmm. without being in competition with yourself. You can create yes. and not compete. And cultivate. You can create more of what you want mm-hmm. without it being that what, what was there yesterday wasn't good enough. Because I think what it does is it feeds that feeling of not good enough, which undermines your self-worth. Like we're creating that same thing, that same, more of that same dynamic. Mm-hmm. And when I created my self-worth and cultivated it, I knew what my worth was. Once mm-hmm. I started to cultivate that, it was kind of hard for me. Like when I wasn't in alignment with my own knowing, it felt even more like, oh, that really doesn't feel good. Where before I would have been like, oh, all right, let's just go along and do it because this is what I've always done. Mm-hmm. It was the knowing I still did my job well, but I did it because I knew I could and because I wanted to, not because I had to, not because I needed to do it better, not because I needed to prove anything. Mm -hmm. It wasn't done because of what anything, it wasn't done because of how anybody saw me, what anybody would think of me. It was done for me. I showed up because I wanted to show up Mm -hmm. and it eliminated the need for the competition game completely because I did. I was meeting my needs in a spectrum way with that competition trying to meet my value need and it just I mean it was a kind of like a hamster wheel of red spectrum because once you're in that red spectrum it's like okay well you don't you usually end up meeting when you meet one need in a red spectrum way and there's other needs that connect to it you tend to throw in more red spectrum ways to meet it because you're just kind of on that path like yeah it's it's really hard to meet one thing in a red spectrum way and simultaneously meet something in a green spectrum way. very much so. Once I cultivated my self-worth, I actually knew my worth. I still did my job well, and I did it because I knew I could and because I wanted to, Mm -hmm. not because of what anybody else would think of me or how they saw me. So it actually eliminated the need for the competition game completely. And I will say, like, I needed that. It was meeting my needs in a red spectrum way consistently to be in that competition right absolutely and it was funny because as you were like I remember you saying once before that it's if you what you were finding was that almost all of your needs are being met in a red spectrum way because it's really difficult to meet one thing in the red spectrum and then another thing in the green spectrum like it all kind of oh it all shifted in that direction uh, much as my pop shield shifted in that direction <laughs> as I make the movement <laughs> yeah because it's not in alignment to be like all right well I'm gonna I'm gonna meet my security need in a green spectrum way simultaneously with meeting my value need in a red spectrum it just doesn't well and because the needs tend to it's it's very rare that someone's like oh i'm doing this thing that meets this one need and it doesn't affect any of the others a lot of the needs interplay with each Mm -hmm. other so it's like it's very rare for you to be able to do that they don't sit in isolation they're not in nice little boxes where you can go i'm gonna do this one over here and this one over here and this one over here so like if i do this in this way it's not gonna affect this one like they all are gonna connect and interact with each other and as kind of complicated as that sounds it's you know, it's actually the better thing that 
they're all connected because we talk about um, in the program the ding ding dings. Yeah. It's awesome when you can be set out to meet your need for you know one need, and then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, and it met that one, ooh, and that one, and that one, and it's like, ah, oh, ding 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 ding, one thing, so many, <laughs> so many dings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so my, cultivating my self worth was I wasn't doing things to be liked or accepted anymore. Mm-hmm. It meant I didn't care what the vast majority of people thought of me, which was such a change in how I had kind of grown up in Been for most of your life really it was for me yeah and those people who didn't treat me with respect just got further away in the orbit and um it's actually episode 17 what to do when you're waiting for an apology that will never come that we talk in depth about the orbits mm-hmm. um a great episode to watch just to kind of get the relation of what we're talking about but right. i can almost assure you you'll be able to apply it to your own relationships mm-hmm. Um, The only thing that mattered once I cultivated this self-worth was that the people I chose to be in close relationship with still loved and respected me and vice versa. So it was about me accepting me and the people around me because they naturally moved in and out of orbit. Those were the people I was choosing to be around. Because they're the people who also saw your worth. Yes. And wanted to treat you as if you were worthy as well. Such a profound concept Mm -hmm. this is so easy it's so simple what's the podcast called again i've forgotten Hmm. well Well, shit (laughs) it really is that simple (laughs) it's just so funny i'm like wow this is so common sense well yeah that's why we're doing (laughs) that's why we called it this (laughs) um I, have act- I actually have an example that was kind of a life-changing example for me that mm-hmm. really just solidified the whole self-worth worth piece for me yeah. personally. And it showed me what having true self-worth was and what it gave me was the assurance to know that I was – that I had the right to ask for what I wanted and needed in, um, in specifically my role in my other work mm-hmm. – I deserved to get these things. Mm -hmm. So we went through the process. um, We did a deep dive into self-worth and my self-worth and really kind of going through figuring out where where the societal cultivations came from, what it was. Where you've been getting your value need met and where it had been compromised and how do we heal that and and restore your value need and your sense of self-worth along with it. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to being in a kind of corporate type of situation where it's like you don't necessarily feel you have the voice to be able to speak up or they're um, there's a lot of things that you're responsible for and you don't necessarily feel equipped to properly, you know, do your job. And also to ask for what you're worthy of. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, even if you know your worth, like within the context of that environment, sometimes it doesn't feel safe to ask for your for what you're worth. Um, Luckily for me, my I, I was in a place to feel safe and the self-worth, um, the cultivating of self, my own self-worth actually gave me a an additional layer of feeling safe because I knew... I knew what was right within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually went in after this conversation, I asked for a fairly significant salary increase. Mm -hmm. I asked for additional support in the form of another member being added to our team. And I asked for additional resources. And lo and behold, 
I got them. Got every single one of them. Every I'll, I'll never forget the conversation we had when you came back and you were like, oh my God, it works. Like All of them. I got everything that I asked for. And I actually feel like I could, if I wanted, if I felt like I needed anything else, I could go and ask for that mm-hmm. as well. And I would get it as well because I know my worth and they know they're now talking to somebody who knows their worth. Because mm-hmm. none of the stuff was, it wasn't like, it was unreasonable. Unreasonable. The, the raise was like, okay, this is what, you know, industry shares is. This is how my work has changed since we first discussed this. It was all legitimate stuff. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I need a, I need a napping chair in yeah. the office. I know my value now. Give me a five-week vacation with all expensive trip to Dubai or whatever. Like, right. <laughs> it, was, it was reasonable. Yeah. And then from then on, it was like, I'm going to ask for what I need. I'm going to ask for what I want. And if the answer is no, okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an adjustment, a tweak. Maybe it's just no. But it doesn't change the fact. Like me just even asking is cultivating my self-worth because it's like I know I, I know that this is a legitimate thing. I know I'm worthy enough to ask this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask because that's the first step in getting what you need is asking. Well, the first step in getting what you need is it's, giving it to yourself. Uh, the second step is in the situations where you are unable to give it to yourself, like, for example, in a working environment where it's not, you don't have the power to maybe do that. Raise. <laughs> raise. Just giving, going around giving yourself raises because yeah. you feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need a raise. I'm going to give myself a raise. Yes. Awesome. Congratulations to me. Uh, I mean, that would be cool. Um, but yeah, and, it, and the thing about it is it's also, it was recognizing your self-worth it didn't become a way to try to get your personal power need met by trying to get more than you were worthy of to try and, and not, I mean, we're worthy of giving it, getting our needs met, but in terms of that corporate environment, it's like, I'm not going to ask for something that is outlandish or out of alignment with what I'm really worth because I don't need to do that. Um, I've got what I need to be able to meet my needs and what is in alignment with why I need to do my job. That's basically where it's at. And it's funny that you mentioned the personal power aspect because the, cultivating the self-worth aspect actually met my personal power need because I was no longer in competition trying to take and compete mm-hmm. for power that doesn't right. even exist. Right. It's like, no, just I know I come in. I know I do my job. I know I do my job well. And and it changed the choices that you were making, which oh. is one of the greenest ways to meet your personal power need is to make conscious choices that serve you in moving in the direction that you want to go in. And I realized even in a corporate set of corporate setting and situation I could still create I could create what I needed what I wanted and I could make it work for myself I could make it work for the business I it benefited it benefited everybody yeah it really did and I still can't believe I mean I I still remember that feeling coming back I'm like holy fucking shit it worked (laughs) and it wasn't like it wasn't it normally the it worked was some sort of derived plan or I don't want to say I've manipulated the situation to get what I wanted rather than actually I've known my worth I've asked what I'm worthy of and asking for what I'm worthy of and knowing what I'm worthy of it was clean I got well yeah it was was clean clean. and that's something that I hadn't necessarily experienced in corporate in business because there was always like a layer of manipulation or meeting my needs or Mm -hmm. it wasn't just no this is this is this is factual in my life yeah if you don't agree then maybe maybe this is time this is the time where we both need to reconsider right absolutely and I was in a position where I did realize like 
that was an option for me. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say I do understand there's privilege in that and that not everybody does have that option. Yes. But that just even that cult of self-cultivating changed everything, even if I hadn't gone the extra step and well, asked and for these things. And it's interesting you say that because I, th- I think that's part of the reason, that's part of the reason for the great resignation. It's part of the reason for the labor crisis right now is even people who are in service jobs who haven't been historically in a position where they've been able to afford to do this. Um, and I don't know how people are managing it. It's interesting, I it kind of would be... Uh, interesting to kind of do some research into like how are people who have left these kinds of positions been able to leave their positions and still be able to live and pay their bills and all those sorts of things um but it's interesting how people who are in those positions have started leaving their jobs in droves because they realize they are worthy of better than having their needs it's not even that they realize they're worthy of having their needs met at work. I don't think many people actually are recognizing that. But what they realize is that they are not necessarily, this is not necessarily the conscious thought they're having, but they realize they're not, they're worthy of not being in a position which compromises their needs consistently across the board. They're not going, that's not me to my universal needs, so I'm going to head out the door right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, they might be saying that if they are. Hello, because you're obviously listening to the podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> Drop us a line hi. if that's you. We want to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think most of them are like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. This mm-hmm. is ridiculous. This is this is negatively impacting me and my life. Negatively impacting them and their needs. Negatively impacting me and my life. I'm not doing this anymore. And that's the reason people are leaving. So and that's what a lot of people haven't realized in terms of the great resignation and the labor crisis. Is it's being caused by people recognizing that they are worthy of more than having these jobs and positions which are burning them out, burning the candle at both ends, expecting too much, under-resourced, under-supported, mismanaged, often managed in a sometimes very abusive ways. Uh, And they're going, no, enough. And that no enough is a teeny little bit of that, oh, hold on, I'm worth more than this. And that is that little, the fact that that little seed is in so many people right now gives me so much hope Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden people are going to start demanding more for themselves. And it's the reason the minimum wage has been going up in different places. Still not a living wage, most places, just saying that needs to be addressed. And it's still going up. It's interesting that I remember seeing things about saying like people were arguing about a $15 minimum wage however many years ago. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. But now they're they're hitting it. But now that's not minimum wage because that's not a living wage anymore. Mm -hmm. Like at at one point it would have been and now it's not. So we have to move with the times. We have to make sure that we're treating people in a way that's going to make sure their needs aren't compromised. And people are starting to recognize, actually, if you are doing that, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that more people are doing that. And instead, it gives me hope that people are starting to get that actually this capitalistic society in which people have resources just to be burned out and not to be supported is not how this is. It's not sustainable, not for the long term. Or to be commercialized, because I think that's a lot of it, too, Mm -hmm. like you aren't worthy here by this to make you more worthy. Right. Absolutely. It's like, no, I don't need that stuff. What well, I need is peace of mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and to can't buy that. And to not be exhausted all the time. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And this is how, ooh, ooh, I get very, I'm getting very excited, obviously, you can tell. Um, but it's like just seeing how that is playing out. And you can see how this one need has this 
is, is, is relevant, is playing into all of these different situations. Ripple effect. Ripple effect. And also how it's like the spider's web. Like there's the need in the middle. And like, oh, look, it relates to this in business. It relates to this in friendship. It relates to this in careers. It relates to this in um, in terms of our, li- like how are we living and how, like what are we willing to accept and what we're not willing to accept. And it's true with so many of the needs. And when we start to understand this, like, oh, that's why, that's why this is so important. And more importantly, here's how I can do this. Here's how I can cultivate this need for myself so that no longer does my low value need end up costing me and compromising me in all these different areas. We have run over. So far over what we uh, normally <laughs> set out to do. So I think I'll take the um, opportunity to end this yes. one today. We do have two more coming up in this series. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. A um, lot more great information. Um, anything else you want to add today? Look at this. I love this little revolve reversal. Oh. I'm trying to remember what you normally say in these circumstances. I'm not used to being on this side. Um, No? I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) You want me to finish up? All right. Well, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. Uh, Remember to take care of yourselves. Stay safe. And remember between now and next time to keep meeting your needs. Lots of love. Bye, Bye, friends. That's it for today. If you liked what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast via Patreon. And remember, you are worthy simply because you exist. Well, shit. It really is that simple.